Anyway, um, I'm excited, you guys, I am so excited for this series um, that we're calling The Messenger. And uh, the reason that we're calling this series The Messenger is because Paul, we're going to be looking at the life of Paul. And he really was a messenger. If you look at the New Testament, um, it's absolutely important for us to, to get a grasp on who Paul is and what he did and, and how he pushed, like just like Lindsay, pushed the gospel forward. Uh, because we see, if you look at the New Testament, mo- uh, if, you look at, if you look at the books written in the New Testament, like go to your concordance uh, or, or your table of contents there, and so many of these letters are written by Paul, his, his correspondence. And that's why we're calling it the messenger, because he would write letters back and forth to these churches that he had started um, all over the Roman Empire. He starts these churches, and he's writing these letters back and forth to them. There's so much truth that we apply today to our lives, to a, a normal, everyday Christian will read in the morning or in the evening about Paul. Now, uh, they're going to read letters that he wrote. They're going to apply principles that, that he instituted for us. And so, it's really important for us as believers to know his life and to know his story and how he influenced uh, the, the spread of the gospel into the known world at that time. And so, that's what we're going to do. And um, this morning, where we're going to pick up right from the very beginning, is we're going to kind of look at his biography. Um, and there is no, you know, biography in the Bible there about him. That w- so what we're going to have to do this morning, if you use a paper Bible and you like to... Sorry, Charles, this is going to wear you out today. We're going to be all over the Scriptures this morning because we're moving back and forth and here and there. We're going to be in Galatians and First Timothy and Second uh, Corinthians and Acts. We're going to kind of be all over because to get a good biography of Paul or Saul, he was also named... Um, we have to kind of jump around. And uh, if you remember, several weeks ago, we were introduced to him right at the end of our series in Acts. Um, and that was his first mention. But we have to kind of look all over the place to find out who he was before he got there. And he gives us evidence of those things in his other letters that he writes to these different churches. Um, Paul had such a major influence on the Bible that you hold in your hands, obviously the New Testament portion of it. Uh, that I wanted for us to take some time and really dig into it and look at it and look at the expansion of the church and how he helped that grow and, and his ministry and his heart and his love for people, um, his, the, the way that he saw things, the way that he applied biblical truths, the way that he encountered people and, and his cultural relevance in the day. There's so much that we can learn from his life and the ministry uh, of Paul. And so that's what we're going to do in this series, um, and it's kind of crazy. Paul writes 13 of the letters, and then his traveling companion Luke writes Luke and Acts, which is you know they've got more than half of the Bible. And Luke's gospel and, and the book of Acts was really influenced by Paul. So Paul has just an incredible impact on the New Testament. I wanted for us to know this man and, and know who he is and why he was doing these things and how he was called about it and. And the, the people that he influenced and that influenced him and things like that. And so that's what we're going to do in this series that we're calling The Messenger. I want it for us to look really quick at the very first time that Paul is mentioned. And it's right here. You'll see it here in Acts. And we already talked about this a few weeks ago in our Acts series. This was, if you remember, this was when Stephen had been preaching. And he, he's preaching with power. And there's miracles happening all around and all this stuff. And, and, and these religious leaders are like, uh-uh, ain't happening. It is not happening. The, these religious leaders were trying their best 
to hold on to any shred of Judaism that they could because it was dying. This this extreme Judaism was dying and they were watching it die as the church, as the Christian church, the way, which is what they were called, these Jesus followers, as they were expanding. Remember we saw their church blowing up 10, 20, 30,000 people all of a sudden. Most of these people were Jews and they were converting to Christianity. This was crazy for them and so they were doing whatever they could to stop the, you know, the bleed off of their faith. And so they take Stephen and they murder him there. And it says this, Acts 7.58, and they're talking about Stephen. When they had driven Stephen out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Okay, so this, I know there's a weird name thing going on here. We're going to address it here in a second. This is Paul. Okay, this is Saul was his uh, Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. But this is the first mention of Saul or Paul that we see. It's the same person though, okay? And so we're going to, in this series today specifically, we're going to look at his name and why was, why was there this weird name change and, and his education and his, his uh, background and, and his training and what, was he, what did he look like? We're going to look at some of those things this morning to kind of get a biography of him. But like I said, we're going to really have to bounce around a lot. So if you're taking notes, um, if you're one of those note takers like I am, we're going to we're going to look at like six or seven main topics of him. And I want for us to start in a background, like in someone's biography, you would talk about, well, where were they born? What family did they come from? And things like that. And we get that in Philippians. We get that in Philippians chapter 3. So we're going to talk about his, his family and his name and, and all those things. And in Philippians chapter 3, Paul describes his family history here. And what he's doing in this letter, he's, he's kind of building a case for himself. And he's, this is after Acts, okay? This is kind of all, we've got to kind of go back and forth and do this time travel and stuff. But like I said, there's no biography right there at the beginning of Acts for us. So we've got to look all around. He's writing a letter to these believers in Philippi, kind of building a case for himself, talking about his upbringing. upbringing sorry, and it says Philippians 3, verse 5 and 6, says this, and he's talking about himself, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. Now, this gives us some information if you... Look at the highlighted part of the text that I put up there. It says he was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, this is important. If you want to know about Paul's upbringing, about his, this has to do with his parents. Because nobody at eight years old circumcises himself, right? When you're a baby, when you're eight days old, and we've had some eight-day-old babies here, you don't do anything on your own other than poop and cry. You know what I mean? And so this gives us some evidence that his parents, they were, they were, these were extremely devout practicing Jews. They cared about this baby, that he was going to be raised in the Jewish faith, that he was going to have the right type of upbringing. This gives us a picture of his parents. It says that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, his name's Saul, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Saul, this, this guy here, was named after the, probably the most famous Benjamite, okay? Who was, does anyone know another Saul in the Bible? 
King Saul. So his parents name him after King Saul and their tribe, the most prominent, you know, the most prominent person in their tribe. He's named after this man, this king who did these really great things and then of course went sour eventually, but now this was their claim to fame, their most famous person in their tribe. He's he's named after Saul. He's circumcised on the eighth day. We can see um we can see that there's there's already beginning to become this this theme where his parents care about him staying in and, and pursuing this Jewish faith. We see this here in the, in these texts. And he's named after the king. Saul was a real deal Jew. Okay? Saul slash Paul, he was the real deal. He wasn't someone that just kind of practiced with their faith once in a while. This guy was legit. And we see that his name here, he's named after King Saul. And we're like, well, yeah, but you're calling him Paul. And I know that these quiz kind of crazy. Really, his name Saul, which would have been his Jewish name, was the same name as Paul, which would have been his Roman name. It's just a way that you would, uh, I don't know how, like for instance, me. My name is Augie. But when I go to Spanish-speaking countries and I introduce myself, I say, my name is Agustin. Because in Spanish, that's the equivalent of it. That's, this is really kind of how uh, Paul and Saul and how this all works out. Is, it's how it works out. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Jake. So, Jacob would be what in Spanish? Who, who knows what Jacob would be? Jacobo. Okay. Uh, John would be what in Spanish? Juan. So, it's the same name, just a different way to say it. And that's really why... He kind of transitions and why the Scriptures transition between Saul and Paul. This is the same cat, okay? It's the same guy. And then it's, we're going to see that he kind of uses Saul, Paul until a little bit later in Acts. And then we'll see here in Acts 13, this transition takes place here. Acts 13, verse 9 says, But Saul, who was also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he fixed his gaze upon him. And it continues. And so, it's at this point that in the Scriptures... Paul is referred to Paul from then on, okay? And so for the purpose of our series, we're going to call him Paul, okay? From now on, we're calling him Paul, and we see here where is the last mention of him being called Saul. And it makes sense. If you know a little bit about Paul, his ministry, he started preaching the gospel to Jews. And so he would have used the name Saul at that point because he was trying to relate to the Jews, and then we see this major transition in the ministry of Paul where he turns his attention toward the Gentiles, towards the Romans, toward the non-Jews. And he begins to use a non-Jewish name, Paul. If you read the Scriptures, you read Paul's letters, you hear him talk about being all things to all people in order to preach the Gospel. He says, to the doctors, I act like a doctor. To the... To the soccer players, I play soccer. To the, to the cowboys, I walk with bow-legged. You know what I mean? Like he says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to identify with people to preach the gospel. And this is just one of those things. And so the name thing is not really a big deal, but I know some people get tripped up on it. But we're going to continue to call him Paul from this day forward, at least in this series. Hopefully that makes sense to you, hopefully. Um, let's move on to the next thing that he talks about. He talks about being a Pharisee. Now, these were the people Jesus had such beef with, okay? And as we're going to see here in just a second, 
it's very likely that Jesus could have encountered Paul face to face and and you know have these these scruffles that they that Jesus had with these Pharisees, these arguments, these things like, oh, you guys, you were the sons of Satan over there. It's very likely that these things could have happened. Look at what it says here about his being a Pharisee. Back to Philippians three, verse five and six. It says, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It says, listen. He's legit. He's the real deal Jew. As to the law, a Pharisee. Now, this is important. Absolutely important. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness, which is of the law, found blameless. How does one become a Pharisee? Like, are you just called, okay, you're a Pharisee or whatever. No. Becoming a Pharisee had all kinds of requirements attached to it. Starting with your mama and your daddy. Okay? They circumcised him on the eighth day. In order to be a Pharisee, you had to have the right pedigree. You had to be born in the right family. Your mom and dad had to do the right things for you. They had to prepare you. They had to pave the way for you to, to be taught well, to be taught and mentored under the right people. Uh, I was talking with someone, the other, my kids, the other day about NASCAR drivers, right? And we were talking about, well, Brody's not even here, we were talking about Brody becoming a NASCAR driver. And I told Lori, I said, it's way too late. It's way too late for him to become a NASCAR driver. Those NASCAR drivers start when they're three years old, right? Driving go-karts, and mom and dad are spending all kinds of money and time and energy, you know, making sure that their kid's going to get a chance. Well, we're not doing that for him, right? We're not doing that for him. We don't have the money or the time or the energy to do that for him. But to be a Pharisee, your mom and your daddy had to be invested they had to be able to say, here's our time, here's our energy, we're sending you to the right schools, we're going to make sure that you have all the right mentors, the trainings, that you've been done, all these different things in your life to become a Pharisee. You had to have the right training, the mentor. Look at the mentor, Acts 22, verse 3. This is Paul continuing. This is when he's being, he's on trial and there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. He talks about his pedigree. He says this, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus. So we get a picture. He was born in Tarsus. Another biographical information. But brought up in this city. He was in Jerusalem when this was happening. So Paul was born in Tarsus, but brought up in Jerusalem. Now this makes sense again. Mama and Daddy want to invest in their kid. They want him to become a powerful Pharisee, Sadducee, something like that, a religious leader in the Jewish faith. If he's born in Tarsus... Where are they going to move? They're going to move to Jerusalem, where it's all happening. You want to become a NASCAR driver, you move to Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Where all the NASCAR places are, where all the teams are. Uh, you want to be a good soccer player, you go to, you know what I mean? Like, you go to Brazil. The, the mom and the dad here were invested in this young man's life. Picked up their life and moved to Jerusalem in order to make sure Paul was of the right upbringing. Look it says, brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel. We've heard that name before, haven't we? We heard that name a few weeks ago. According, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are all today. Now that name, Gamaliel, he was a well-known and very respected Pharisee, religious leader. Some say he was, it isn't absolutely clear, but some say he was even the leader of the Sadducees at this time. This is, he was an important person 
in the Jewish community. One of the leaders of leaders. Okay? Really important. And Paul here is saying that he studied under him. That he mentored under Gamaliel. This would have been like you went to Harvard, right? Or you went to wherever the place is that you, you studied under Jeff Gordon to be a NASCAR driver, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Or you went to the Diamondbacks baseball camp. Like this was the best of the best of the best training one could afford. He was a well-known, respected rabbi, Gamaliel. And so when it says that Paul was a Pharisee, this meant that he took things to the extreme. Training to the extreme, education to the extreme. This is the same Gamaliel. He's, he's under this mentorship, this leadership of Gamaliel. This was the same cat that we found in Acts, in our story in Acts. If you remember, the apostles were preaching and teaching and people were being healed and all that. And the religious leaders, remember this, they, they arrest them and they bring them all in and they're like, what are we going to do with these guys? They're like, we're going to kill them. And one person stands up. The religious leaders, one person stands up and says, yo, 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 no, uh hold on. And that's Gamaliel. Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 5. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. Do you remember this? We talked about this a few months ago. And basically what Gamaliel said, he says, listen, if these guys here, if these apostles, uh, if they're not of God, it's going to fail. But if they are of God, we ain't going to be able to stop them. And so it says, so let them go and let God deal with them. And that's, that was some wise, very sage advice. This is, why we think, Paul may have very well been in this conversation to kill these Christians. We know that he was killing Christians later on. So he's under the training and uh, the cloak of, or the... Um, the, the protection of, the training of, the mentorship of this very highly uh, respected and well-known Jewish rabbi. Look at his education. Look what it says about his education. Galatians 1.14 says this. It says, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Now, Paul... What Paul's saying here, he's talking about himself. He's saying, I was the top of my class. He's at the highest ranking, okay, of education. That's like going to Harvard and graduating number one in your class. Basically is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm smart, bro. Right? I've got the training. He had it all together. Paul had it all together. Do you know those people? They're just good at whatever they do. Oh, man, don't you hate them sometimes? Like, ah, they're so good, right? Paul was good at everything he did. Paul spoke multiple languages. Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek, probably Latin, okay? Speaks all kinds of languages. Is culturally, culturally um, diverse. He knows about philosophy we see from his letters. He knows about the Greco-Roman culture that he lives in these days. This cat had it all going on. I mean, he would be a woman's greatest desire to marry this guy, right? He would be like the top of the top of the food chain on the dating apps. Do you know what I mean? Like this guy had it all together. Smart, uh, trained, 
all kinds of these things. Culturally intelligent. We see all those things. Well, what is a citizenship? Where, what did his passport say? We know that he was obviously a, a very devout and, and traditional Jew. But then we also see from the Scriptures that he was a citizen of... Does anyone know? He was a Roman citizen, which is like, whoa, hold on. How do we know that? Look at what it says there. It says this in Acts 22. So this is toward the end of Acts and Paul has been arrested he knew it was coming. He went to Jerusalem. He knows it's about to happen. And he's being tortured, basically. He's being interrogated. And they're about to torture him. Okay, They're about to torture him. And then this thing comes up. He's like, hold on, boys. Hold on. Look at what it says here in verse 25 of Acts chapter 2. But when they had stretched him out with thongs, they were about to torture him, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman? And uncondemned, and they're like, whoa, like, put on the brakes, everybody. Because these guys, these, these jailmen, were about to torture someone, and they didn't even know that he was a Roman citizen. Had they tortured this Roman citizen, it would have been their heads, okay? So they're like, stop everything. Stop everything. And I'm sure he was holding on to that for that pivotal moment. Look at what it says, 26. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do, man? For this man is a Roman. He's like, What are you going to do? Why are you doing that? Like, and of course, nobody knew. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And Paul said, What? Yes. He said, Yes. Look at what he says. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him or torture him, immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman. And because he had put him in chains. So, Paul is born, it says, a Roman citizen. How did that happen? That happened through your father. If, you, uh, if your daddy was a Roman citizen, that means you become a Roman citizen, citizen through birth. Now, there's all kinds of speculations on how Paul's daddy got his citizenship. And it doesn't say in the Scriptures there's some people that, that believe that he was rich and bought his citizenship just like this other guy did. There were some that say he was a slave and somehow he was set free and his slave owner uh, allowed him, bought him citizenship. And there's other people that say he rescued someone and was given. It really doesn't matter how uh, Paul's dad got his citizenship. But the fact that Paul was a Roman citizen had incredible impact on the gospel. Now think about this. If you know, if you're a Bible scholar, if you've been around church for a while, you may think, well, why? Why did it matter that Paul was a Roman citizen? What did it afford him the opportunity to do that the other Jews around there didn't have? Do you, does anyone know? Does anyone... Huh? An audience, right? As his sinner said, it afforded him an audience. Because he was a Roman citizen. And because he knew he was about to be arrested. He had already planted all these churches all over the place. Shared the gospel with millions of people probably. He knew it's my time now to use my citizenship to now share the gospel with the Romans. These governors... 
these Roman people, these Roman government officials. And if you remember in this series right here, when he's talking to the people that are examining him, he says, I appeal to Caesar. Meaning that he purpose he would have been let go. The scriptures say that he would have been let go, charges dropped, no big deal. And Paul knows that because he's a Roman citizen, he has the right to take his case to Caesar, the most powerful person in the world at this time. And we know that he does. He moves up the ranks. You know, here when you go to court and you appeal it and you go to the next level court and you meet new people and you go to the next level court and you go to the next level court all the way up to the Supreme Court, that's really what Paul did with his Roman citizenship. He used it to share the Gospel with people that were way more powerful than he would have ever been able to influence without that Roman citizenship. And so it was absolutely important that he was a Roman citizen because he was able to share the Gospel with Caesar. Which is a crazy, crazy thought. So what did he do for a living? What was his occupation or his trade? Does anyone know what he did for a living? He was a tent maker. Okay, so he made tents. Well, how do we know that? We see that in Acts 18, verse 3. And so in this culture, you would have learned your daddy's trade. Okay? So Jesus was a carpenter because his stepdaddy, okay, was a carpenter. Uh, if, I guess I took on my dad's trade too. My dad was board toys and I did too, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but a lot of us do that. It's, a lot of people still do that today. Look at what it says here, verse 3 of chapter 18 in Acts. And because, it's talking to Paul, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. Does anyone know who they're speaking of? The they in this? Okay, so Aquila and Priscilla, right? So Aquila and Priscilla, <clears throat> who become one of Paul's like best compatriots, best uh, homies, best... Uh, Partners in, in crime, not partners in crime, partners in ministry. Um, these were people that came alongside him, supported him, helped him. He help, they help him plant churches. He gives them responsibility. These are people, this is a couple that comes into his life in an extremely important time. They were tent makers, and he was a tent maker. And that's how they supported their ministries. They took care of the fees and the things and making a living by making tents. Now think about this for... A second, Paul was probably the most educated tent maker there ever was. Right? Mama and Daddy paid all of this money and changed their life completely in order for Paul to be trained in all of these different things. Of course, he had to learn his father's trade. And they had all these plans and visions and dreams for their son to become, you know, maybe the high priest someday or may, whatever, like the highest he could achieve in Judaism, and he goes and does that for a while. And then he meets Jesus face to face, and his life is forever altered. And we will talk about that next week, because it's way too, uh, way too late to get into that today. But look at what else he says. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a persecutor of the church. He was given authority to go out... And hunt down Christians. He was a he was a bounty hunter for Christians, meaning he would go and find the Christians, root them out, bring them back, arrest them, kill them, beat them up, whatever. 
This is what he did. This also, because he had this authority, he was given this authority by the Jews, we know that he was at least 30 years old when this happens. Because you weren't given authority in Judaism until you were 30, which is why Jesus started his ministry when he was... Anyone? 30. Okay? So we know that Paul was about the same age as Jesus, maybe just a few years younger than him. So quite possibly could have interacted with Jesus face to face, argued with him about the law and things like that, like other Pharisees did. Paul started on the wrong side, didn't he? Look at what 1 Timothy 12 through 14 says. I think Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, this is Paul talking, because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. And even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. So he's sharing this this personal experience with this young new pastor, Timothy, a young man who's just starting out in ministry. And he's saying, listen, I praise Jesus because He saved me out of the wreck that I was. He talks about the wreck that he was, a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy. I was shown mercy. We were all shown mercy, friends. Absolutely every one of us. A persecutor and a violent aggressor towards what, though? Towards cats. How many of you don't like cats? Right? I am a persecutor of cats. No. He was a persecutor of men and women, boys and girls who were following Jesus. This was, I mean, you want to talk about extreme. Paul was like to the tilt extreme in everything that he did. We see it in his education and his upbringing and all these things. Paul was like going after whatever it was to the extreme. Do any of you know a person like that? Like they just get on something. And they go full blast towards it for a while. Like, just go and don't let off of it. Don't let off of it. Don't let off of it. We all know people that my wife's looking at me. But people like that in our lives. They're, just, they're extreme. Whatever it is, they're going to go. Right? You buy all the things that go. You take up golf and you spend ten grand on golf clubs. And then three weeks later, you hate golf. You know, like those, those types of people. Paul was that type of person. Just get on something, you know, like a pit bull. And he wouldn't let go of it. Until he meets Jesus face to face to the face. He was the best of the best. Look at back at Galatians 1.14. Sorry. Continuing forward. It says this. He, he, we've already seen this. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul's resume up to this point enabled him to be hired, the hired gun. You guys watch the westerns? And they hire the big old cowboy to go and catch the cow stealer. What do you call that? Cow what? Rustler. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he's the John Wayne for the Jews. He's going to go and do what nobody else will do. Go and catch these Christians and kill them. Bring them back. He's like Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? That's like what he is, but way better looking than, Paul, than Dog. Because that dude's weird looking, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry if you're watching, whatever his name is. Um, but this was what he had been born to do. This is what his mama and daddy had been 
you know, preparing him to do is be used by the Jews in a way that would make them proud, that would make the nation of Israel proud, and they had their champion. And it was Paul, Saul of Tarsus, going and fighting for Judaism. And then he meets Jesus face to face, and everything absolutely changes. After Stephen's murder, look at Acts chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 3. After Stephen's murder, this is the beginning of 8, and we looked at this, I don't know, four weeks ago or so. It says this, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. It's as if after Stephen's murder, Paul gets a taste for blood and says, I want more. And he starts going house to house to house, arresting Christians, taking them out, bringing them back, torturing them on the road murdering them if he needed to, doing whatever he could to keep Judaism alive. He was going... I mean, he was the man at that point. He was causing serious havoc for our fathers and our mothers in the faith. We're going to close with what he looked like. Does anyone have a picture of Paul in their Bible? Does any, did any of the Bibles include that? Uh, well, there isn't, right? There weren't no Polaroids back then. But we can get a picture. We can get a mental picture of what Paul looked like by some of the descriptions that he describes himself at. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10. It says, and he's writing this of himself. He says, for they say his letters, meaning my letters, are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. So what they were saying when he would write these letters, he would write these letters to the churches and they're like, yeah, his letters are like bold and powerful and all this, but he's just like a little punk, right? Uh, he was not like the person he was named after. The Scriptures say that King Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. He was tall, dark, and handsome, King Saul was. Okay, Paul was like me, not tall, dark, and handsome, short, fat, and ugly. You know what I mean? Like he was, Paul was the anti-Saul, King Saul. Okay? He wasn't tall, dark, and handsome. He was little and chubby and ugly like me. Like, <coughs> probably not as white as me, right? But he was, you know, maybe like me. But then, but then we get maybe a, a much more humbling picture of what he looked like in the next chapter. Move just one page over to chapter 11. Verse 24 and 25 says, and this is him speaking of himself, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That means having huge stones, rocks thrown on you from a height. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, meaning he swam for his life in the ocean for a night and a day, treading water. I mean, this is crazy. Maybe on a piece of wood, who knows? Imagine the scars upon scars upon scars that Paul held in his body. 
Now think about this for a second. Have any of you seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Or you've seen some movies like that? The Scriptures say that Jesus was scourged, that He had received 39 lashes. You've seen, the, like, The Passion of the Christ. You've seen Jesus' body after 39 lashes. You know, gory. So Paul says he received 39 lashes five times. 195 lashes on his body for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if you've seen those movies, you've seen you know the, the goriness of the cross. Imagine that times five. This, I bet you, this man, after years of ministry, years of beatings and tortures would have gone back to that same father and mother who trained him, and they probably would not recognize him. Right? Probably would not recognize their son. Look at what Galatians 6, this is at the end of Galatians, what he writes to them. He says, For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. I bet you Paul looked like a warrior. Like a warrior who had gone to battle time and time and time again and lost with scars everywhere. He was, think about this, he was a warrior that went to battle against the evil one time and time and time again. And he didn't lose but he won. But his body bore the scars from those battles. It's humbling to think of this man used by God who would write the majority of the New Testament that you read in the morning when you get up and you drink your coffee. And so as I thought about the life of Paul, the, the, the background of Paul, I thought, we need to look at this guy's story. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks in this series that we're calling The Messenger. And I look so forward to looking at his life and his ministry and the spiritual warfare that he encountered, some of these scar stories that he talks about. We're going to look at some of those. We're going to look at why he believed what he believed and how he had a heart for lost people. Because I want for us, at the end of this series, to be people that live like Paul. I mean, that's my goal. I want to live like Jesus. And you know what Paul said? Live like me as I live like Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. I want that kind of 2018. That's what I want for myself. And I pray that's what you want, because that's what we're going to pursue in this series, we're going to look at his conversations, his conversion, the churches that he plants. We're going to look at all kinds of stuff in this series. And I'm so uh, excited for it. Anyway, ladies uh, that are going to sing the last song, y'all can come forward as we close. And then gentlemen that are going to help with our offering, you can come forward as well.